Do you wonder how the ancient truth of the Bible intersects with today's news? Do you believe in God's promises to the people and the land of Israel? Welcome to the Lone Star Podcast, a weekly conversation to expand your mind and encourage your soul. Our hosts live in the two Lone Star states, Rabbi Dove Lipman in Israel and Pastor Trey Graham in Texas. This podcast is your opportunity to learn the truth about the God of Israel from two people who love Israel. Please follow us on Twitter at Lone Star Podcast to learn when new weekly episodes are ready. You ready to be encouraged? Please join Rabbi Dove Lipman and Pastor Trey Graham. We do welcome you to this week's edition of the Lone Star Podcast. This is Pastor Trey Graham, and I'm joined by my good friend, Rabbi Dove Lipman. Hello, my friend. How are you today? Thank you, Pastor. Uh, it's great to be with you. The weekly Bible reading that the Jews and many Christians gather around the Shabbat table and discuss. And this week comes from Exodus chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. The Hebrew name for this Torah portion is Beshalach, and it means when he let go. And we're picking up the story, of course, from one week ago where the final plagues came in, including the tenth and final plague, the death of the firstborn son, came upon the leader of Egypt, who has the title of Pharaoh. He finally let the people of Israel leave slavery after 400 years of slavery in Egypt under the leadership of Moses and Aaron, and the people are let go, and they begin their journey toward the promised land. We know it'll end up being a 40-year journey. And so, Rabbi, as we get into the story of the Exodus, your people leaving slavery, one of the questions I have is, how do you think they organized themselves? How were they ready to be an army? How were they ready to be a marching force? How were they ready to be organized after so many years of being in bondage? What did they do to, to prepare the journey? Much less, we'll talk about what happens along the journey. Well, that's actually part of the miracle of the story, is that they were not prepared in any manner. Uh, these were people who were slaves. Uh, they had no organized fashion, and they simply followed Moses out uh, to the desert. No plan in terms of food and, and how they're going to protect themselves. And uh, that was an act of faith. Um, we, 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 we quoted from the prophets where it talks about that God is, is so uh, in love with the people of Israel because they took that act of faith and because they uh, went out into the desert, uh, what we call Be'eretz Lo Zeruah, in a land where nothing, nothing grows whatsoever. And they had to, over the course of the 40 years, uh, they had to prepare themselves. But remember, when they first left, it wasn't going to be 40 years. It was going to be a quick trip uh, towards Israel. They had to get themselves organized. And uh, that's part of the miracle. Part of the miracle is the ability of people to leave slavery, to be on the lowest levels of impurity, and very, very quickly, through this amazing act of faith, uh, elevate themselves to a level of spirituality where they're ready to receive the Torah, the Bible, to uh, elevate themselves out of a slave-persecuted mentality and into a functional society, an organized society. And by the way, We've talked about this, Pastor, about what we call in Hebrew, Maaseh Avot Simalim Banim. Now, what happens to the fathers happens to the children. Think about the story of the state of Israel. People who left the Holocaust and Jewish people barely survive annihilation, and within just a few years are able to uh, put together a state. Uh, that's really something which we can learn from the Exodus story and the ability of people just with an act of faith 
to elevate themselves uh, to the high, to the highest of levels. How does the how does the Christian faith look at look at this story and its possible uh, lessons? You said it well. An act of faith. If the Lord says go, we will go. And we don't have all the answers. We're not sure how he will provide, but we trust that he is the provider. And the people of Israel leave slavery in Egypt. And soon after that, the Pharaoh and all of his leaders of the country realize that their economy, which is already in shatters because of the plagues, is now going to be ruined because all of their labor force, their slaves have left. So they begin to chase after the former slaves, the Hebrews, and we get into this idea of will I trust God when it's hard? It's easy to believe when it's easy, and it's hard to believe when it's hard. That's the sermon from your pastor over here, and that's what the Israelites were facing. Will I believe the Lord now that an army's chasing me? And will I believe the Lord when I have this big obstacle in my path, which happens to be the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds? And God performed a miracle. And a lot of people are trying to find the science on how did the winds blow and how did the tides recede and all these things. And you can maybe find the science of it, but God did it. The creator of the universe created science and weather and wind and tides. They had an obstacle in the front. They had an enemy in the back. The question is, will I believe the Lord? Will I trust him to protect me? And I want to point our reader's attention to Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. And I want to hear the rabbi give me some some teaching on this. Exodus 14, verse 13, Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. That's a call to faith. That's a call to believe. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Rabbi, talk to us about Exodus 14. Yeah, absolutely. And if you go one verse further uh, in chapter 14, just go to verse 15 where where that section continues. God even says to Moses, why are you crying to me? Go act. Go into the sea. And then God will take care. And this is also, of course, we believe in prayer, and of course, we turn to God. But God is waiting for us to act. And once we act, once we take the act of faith, then the salvation of the Lord can come. And and this is something, you know, these are a few verses here, Pastor, which sum up life on, on, on a certain level. Just what is required of us, and then how God responds. We take that first step. We take that first step of faith and trust and then God opens up all kinds of opportunities, and the salvation can come. And that's literally what happened over here with the sea. They had to walk into the sea, and then God splits the sea for them. The miracle happens after the people of Israel take that act uh, of faith. And uh, such a critical lesson for us to remember. So many people sit back, and they're asking, why isn't God doing this, and why isn't God doing that, and waiting for, for God to come in and step in uh, when really it's in front of us to take that act of faith. It's for us to act and do so with belief and trust and faith in God. And that's where God's miracles come in. and That's where the salvation can come. The last verse of Exodus 14, after the waves have parted the waters and the Israelites walk through on dry land and then the Lord tells Moses to lift up his hand 
and the water comes crashing down on the Egyptians. You get to the last verse of Exodus 14, which is verse 31. And when Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Well, I'll quote what I said a moment ago. It's easy to believe when it's easy. It's hard to believe when it's hard. So when the water's still in your way, it's hard to believe. When God does the miracle and brings you through on dry land, then it's easy to believe. The question is, will I believe even when it's hard? Exactly. And that's, I think, something which both of our faiths uh, share in a very, in a very close way. Um, God doesn't make life uh, easy. God does uh, present us with challenges. And the question is, how do we respond to that? What do we do with that? And do we use those opportunities to get closer to him and reach even higher? Or do we use those opportunities to, to pull further away? And uh, if we take advantage of those moments and, and really grow through them, then uh, remarkable things can start to happen. Uh, if, we, if we try to take the, uh, the easy way out, so to speak, and, and, and walk away from God and reject faith, uh, in those moments, uh, we're actually doing ourselves a tremendous disservice and making things uh, much more complicated in the end. And now here's another troubling part of the story. When you get to Exodus chapter 15 and you've seen the miracle, the Lord has shown his power. He has shown his covenant-keeping promise. And now the journey has to move forward and you're walking through the desert and when you get to Exodus 15, verse 22, the people of Israel are now in the wilderness of Shur. And it says in verse 22, they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah because they were bitter. So the people grumbled at Moses and say, what shall we drink? So it's such a troubling part of the story, Rabbi. And this is true in Old Testament passages it's true in New Testament passages with the followers of Jesus. They have faith some days and they don't have faith some days. They see the miracles of the Lord. They receive his blessings today and tomorrow they say, what are you going to do for me now? And the grumbling and the complaining that we're all so guilty of, it's troubling to read it in a story when you, when you want to say, guys, you just saw God do a work. And yet they begin to grumble and lose faith. How do you deal with that? The Bible is here to show us human nature uh, so that we can learn from that. And it's exactly what the story is showing us. Human nature is we can be inspired at a certain moment and, and see God so clearly and be so selfish and, and so uh, distant from God uh, just, just a moment later. And we see this story after story. Uh, in the Bible, we're going to see it when it comes to the uh, giving of the Bible at, at Sinai, the giving of the Torah, and then the sin of the golden calf soon after that. And you see it in many other stories uh, as well. Just this, this human nature uh, where God has created us as people who are quick to forget, or we make ourselves forget, I would say it that way, as we, as we try to just take care of our own needs and, and focus on the things that, that we want instead of a life of discipline and faith. Remember, uh, you know, a life of faith means that you have rules to live by. Uh, you can't always do what you want to do. And uh, human nature very much uh, wants to follow its own desires and temptations and, and selfishness. And we, we allow ourselves uh, to lapse into that. And this is something which, why we have to, on a daily basis, 
uh, be seeking God, on a daily basis be seeking His miracles, on a daily basis be seeking His involvement in our life, because uh, we need that constant inspiration, and we need to be constantly looking to see His blessings, because that's what keeps us going. Uh, we, in our faith, uh, we say a blessing uh, before we eat uh, food, and we, we say, you know, blessed art thou our God, and then we say, you're the one who brings forth bread from the ground. You're the one who has created the fruit. You're the one who has created these vegetables. Uh, and we do that because we need to constantly give ourselves uh, that reminder, or else we will convince ourselves, and we will allow ourselves to forget. And that's what we have to take from the story. It's difficult to analyze why are we that way. It's more important from our perspective to, to accept the reality and then to, and to act and to make sure that we don't lapse uh, into that. I'm curious, do you have similar types of ideas uh, in the Christian faith? Yes, very much so. And one example comes from Matthew chapter 14, the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. And this is a famous story for all Christians, and that is called the feeding of the 5,000. And it's called the 5,000 men plus women and children. So scholars think we're talking fifteen or 20,000 people. And Jesus performs a miracle by multiplying a small lunchbox of a child, a small amount of food. And Jesus, as he is, we believe God, and he can perform miracles. And all of these people are fed that would have been hungry if God didn't provide, or Jesus, in this case, didn't provide. And yet, right after that story, Jesus tells his disciples to go get into a boat on the Sea of Galilee, and they begin to traverse across the lake in their boat and the big storm comes and they get all scared about the waves and then the famous story of Matthew 14 Jesus walks on the water and he comes to their boat and they don't say wow Jesus has come to save me their answer their reply is oh no it's a ghost and Jesus said in Matthew 14 verse 27 take courage it is I do not be afraid so that famous part for Christians where Peter then says Lord if it's you let me come and walk on the water with you and Jesus allowed him to do it and that very important verse Matthew 14 30 he walked on the water but seeing the wind he became afraid and began to sink and cried out Lord save me and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said oh you of little faith why did you doubt and so rabbi for our Christian audience what we teach people is from Matthew 14 story when you have your eyes on the Lord you don't sink but when you begin to look at the storms and the waves of life and you take your focus off of God, in this case, we believe the Son of God, Jesus, if you take your eyes off the Lord, that's when you sink. Yeah, and that's very much and that's very much the message. And that's going to be the story that we're going to see throughout the desert. We're going to see a people who, you know, God on the one hand is providing them with everything, and yet they're still going to story after story. Uh, they'll be complaining and they'll be whining and, and, and losing sight of what's really going on and just becoming simple human beings instead of being elevated uh, children and when worshipers uh, of God. And that's such an important lesson uh, for us to learn and to make sure uh, that we just always do things, uh, to remind ourselves to always find uh, God involved in our lives so we can make sure that we have that inspiration and we don't lose that connection. And so I'm going to ask the rabbi to teach us a little bit from Exodus chapter 16 about manna. The provision of God miraculously every day to give them food to eat. We're talking about millions of people wandering around the desert. There's no Chick-fil-A. There's no Burger King. There's no falafel and shawarma. They have to eat. 
and the Lord provides a miracle through the provision of manna. Tell us the story of manna. So the people uh, you know, don't have what to eat, and they're complaining, and they're remembering amazingly. They're remembering what they had back in Egypt when they were slaves, but uh, they had some kind of produce, and they had some kind of food. And then God's response is to provide for them. It provides them this manna. We have all kinds of teachings in our tradition in terms of what the manna was, including one which says it was whatever you wanted it to be. We as children used to always talk about what flavor ice cream we would have asked for, what type of pizza and what toppings, uh, whenever we learned about this. But the idea was that it was completely satisfying. It was satisfying physically. It was satisfying spiritually. God was providing directly uh, for, for the people. And... On the one hand, that's a wonderful, glorious thing that God is providing for you uh, directly. Uh, on the other hand, uh, we're not people who are made to just sit back and receive, and we weren't really part of that process, but God needed to instill the people with faith. These years in the desert, before they entered the land of Israel, it was all about building their faith. That first act of faith of leaving Egypt, that act of faith of going into the water and recognizing that God is the one who provides. Because when the people enter the land of Israel and they start working the land and the products begin, the, the produce begins to grow, they could easily lapse, as the Bible says will happen, into a belief that it's my hand, it's the strength of my work that's providing this food. So the years in the desert where God is providing them with the manna was to instill in them and in the DNA for their children forever that no matter what your situation, you go into a grocery store and you have 50 different choices of mustards and pickles and ketchups and the aisles and, and aisles and aisles of choices of cereals and other delicacies and the things that we enjoy, you can easily forget that it's God. And that story of the manna was to remind us no matter what it is, it's God behind the scenes. It's God the one uh, who is providing. And that's why we have to go through that experience uh, in the desert. And I want you to bring up the point about you were to gather for six days, but you had to trust the Lord on the seventh day, and some people didn't, and they learned the consequences of it. It's quite remarkable. You know, God um, says very clearly, I'll provide you with the manna, says very clearly that, uh, you know, there's one day of the week where it's not going to happen, and, and, but you'll be provided for anyway, and people still were afraid of well, what's going to be tomorrow. You know, what, what, what's going to be? What's happening next? And uh, again, showing human nature. God himself is providing. He's the one who's giving it to you, and yet you're still doubting or questioning. Very often people say, if God would only provide me with an open miracle, then I'd be a person of faith. Then I'd focus on spirituality. But he's not doing so, so what can I do? And uh, we don't realize God is doing so on a daily basis. And even if he would do so, if you're not already worshiping God and a person of faith when he's providing for food and providing with life, uh, you're not going to if some open miracle happens either. Here, the people who want to complain, complained despite being provided for on a daily basis. The people who recognize that it's God, they recognize that it's God. It's within us to decide, and we can't say if God would only do X, Y, or Z, uh, then we would change. And that's why this is a story which one could look at as a, a history lesson. Oh, this is what happened when the people of Israel were in the desert. 
but that's a big mistake. It's a, it's a lesson for all of life. It's a lesson for God providing in general. It's a lesson for recognizing that God is always there behind the scenes, not waiting for some kind of an open miracle, and just to be people of faith in the day-to-day life of you having food and having your basic needs and recognizing that it's God. And, and we actually have a tradition that people who read this section every single day at the end of prayers, they go to prayers in the morning, and before they go out to work, they read the Parsha, we call it the story of the manna, to, so that when they go to work, they remember it's not their boss that's giving them their paycheck, it's not the ingenuity of their business skills and, and negotiations, it's God. And this is something that we have to remember on a daily basis. It is a beautiful lesson when you're told by the Lord, you trust me for six days and I will provide for the seventh. And it's a clear teaching. If I will listen to the Lord, even if I can't understand the math, and he provides because blessing follows obedience. But if I don't know if he'll come through on day number seven, I go ahead and collect something for my own backup plan. And on that seventh day, it's spoiled because it's not from the Lord. It was about selfishness or greediness. And so we're coming to the end of today's conversation. The Torah portion is called Beshalach. It comes from Exodus chapters 13 through 17. And my rabbi friend, I want to finish our discussion with the end of chapter 17, the beautiful picture. Moses has to hold his arms up while the people of Israel go to battle, but his arms become tired. Or as Exodus 17 verse 12 says, his hands were heavy. So Aaron and Hur supported his hands. So talk about teamwork. Talk about what we as Christians call the body of Christ. Teamwork, working together, supporting one another, holding up the hands of, in this case, your literal brother. What is the lesson from that story? The starting point from our perspective is a Mishnah in the Oral Torah which says, uh, do the hands of Moshe, uh, of Moses, provide salvation? When Moses' hands were up, uh, that, that provided salvation? Moses' hands don't have that kind of power. And the Mishnah answers, and it says, no, the point is that when Moses had his hands up, the people of Israel looked heavenward, and their faith in God is what enabled them uh, to win the battle. So when you extend that to the people who are assisting Moses, this reminds us of the need to help each other spiritually, to be there for one another, to lift each other up spiritually. Of course we have to be there for each other physically, but we have a spiritual responsibility for one another as well. And we don't say, whatever happens to that person spiritually, that's his own business. We don't believe that. We believe that we are a brother's keeper. We believe that we are responsible uh, for one another. And if I right now am I'm feeling inspired and connected spiritually, I should share that with others around me and share that with my brothers. And if I'm having a down moment, I need you to be there to lift me up spiritually. So it's a physical story of Moses lifting up his hands and the, and the others helping him, but it's with a spiritual message of, first and foremost, that we have success in our battle when we are looking heavenward, and second, that in order to feel that spiritual connection, uh, we have to be there for each other and help one each other out. My rabbi friend, I wish you safe travels and a Shabbat Shalom, and I always enjoy our conversations. Thank you so much. Shabbat Shalom to you as well. Amen and amen. Shabbat Shalom, my friend. Thank you for joining us for the Lone Star Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Lone Star Podcast to learn when new episodes are ready. Please join Rabbi Dove Lipman and Pastor Trey Graham next time to expand your mind and encourage your soul. May the Lord bless you and draw you to himself this week.